Happy Saturday, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rob. This is All-Star Panel number 11. And we're going to be discussing how your mental health affects your physical health and vice versa. So helping me have this conversation, I have four, hopefully five experts. One is not on at the moment, so hopefully he's able to join us. But if not, then the five of us are just going to rock it out for you. So we're going to bring in Kathy. We're going to bring in Dr. David. We're going to bring in Charmaine. And we're going to bring in Sherry. So if you are a follower of the show, you've seen the four of these people before. They all rock their individual episodes. And they're back to help me rock out this panel. So we're going to start with Sherry. So in this first round, we're going to talk about things that knocked you down. Okay. And so Sherry, you can go ahead and start. I think what knocked me down most profoundly, at least in my adult life, was the failure and struggle of my marriage. Um, I have four of my own children, and it was hard to know what to do because it wasn't just about me. Even though every day was hard, my mental health was suffering. My husband's mental health was suffering, and our kids were suffering. But making the decision about how to make it better was a really hard time, Rob. And it's um, it's a journey um, that I can share more about at the right time. Well, what, what about it knocked you down? Like, what were the actual struggles? The actual struggles were every day felt like there was conflict, that the kids were unhappy and made to be put in the middle of that conflict, um, that my husband was suffering um, at the time with some substance use, and we didn't have a way out. So all of us in turn were affected by this family system of struggle. And there didn't seem to be a lot of good options. This is uh, more than 12 years ago now. So at that time, we didn't talk about this stuff as much. And there weren't a lot of resources to help. And, and what was your lowest point during that period? I think my lowest point was knowing that I might have to end my marriage and not knowing how I would take care of myself and my kids, not so much financially, but emotionally. How could I normalize, make this okay, make sure that, that even if I ended the marriage, the conflict wouldn't continue. So trying to figure that out is really when I reach the bottom. But the good thing about a bottom, Robert, as you know, is that you get to bounce back up and start the rise. Absolutely. Well done. All right, Dr. David, you're up next. Well, hello, Rob. Thanks for having me on your program. My pleasure. So, you want to just sort of go at it? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay, dive well, in. I, I, I'm a pastor. I'm in the ministry and my doctor doesn't make me able to cure your medicine issues. <laughs> the doctor of theology. But I think the hardest thing, the most difficult thing on my mental health was, uh, I mean, I, I started pastoring way back in 1983, which tells you how old I am, which is most mm -hmm. disturbing, regardless of that. I passed through all these different years, and in every church I served and in every place I, I landed, there would be um, people who would want control and power, and they would want to run your, your organization and run roughshod over the goodwill and the kindnesses of people. And in a church, people gather to be kind. I mean, they gather to help each other. They gather to pray. They gather to seek. Uh, they seek the power of the Lord. They gather to, uh, to do what is highest and best. But over and over and over again, I met people who would come into that kind of a context, and what they would do is they would have these issues in their lives. They would project them onto some faith face mask, some fake thing. 
they would say that God was telling him to do something, do something ugly. <laughs> That's mm. Over and over and over again, you met these people and, and all around them were kind, gentle, sweet souls who were just trying to do their best. And uh, they were coming to the prayer meeting and showing up at the work bee or helping the poor. or They were dropping off things at the, at the food bank or whatever. They were doing all the kinds of work. And these people in the background would want to run the thing and run roughshod over what was highest and best. And that's happened in every, I've, I served five churches, happened in all five. And the thing was disappointing was you expected them to believe the Bible. <laughs> you, you expected them to say, oh, do what the others you would have them do unto you. You expected them to be people of integrity and honesty. And instead, you met people who were behind the scenes manipulators. So I think that was the hardest thing to overcome through all the years. You'd meet the good ones. You'd meet the in-between ones. And then you'd meet the ones who called themselves good, but they weren't. And that was the hardest part of the bunch. Do you, do you want to open that up a little bit more? No, it's like, I'll just say, that's every industry. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah, but in the church, you expect them to believe the Bible and love God or something, right? <laughs> like, like in industry, I expect there to be climbers. I didn't expect climbers inside the framework of a place where the love of God is supposed to be central. Let me tell you, as a as a former, well, I guess I'm still in, in the restaurant. As a restaurant person, you would think you would go into mm -hmm. a kitchen full of cooks slash trained chefs and you would expect hygiene, food safety practices. You would expect to catch one of your cooks taking food out of the trash and putting it on a plate. You know what I'm saying? It's the, it's the same scenario. Like it doesn't really matter the industry. It's in every it's in every industry. But, oh, I... uh, <laughs> you know, Charmaine, you're up next. Well, Rob, I want to thank you for having me on. And um, th this is a tough one when you ask what are some what is one thing? Because so many of us have so many life things that happen. And so I was trying to figure out what's that one thing that would be relevant today, because I could go back in history and say all of these things that have happened. But I think I want to look at a move when I ended up having to move from, I would say, Southern California to Central California. The reason I had to make that move is because my ex had stole my money. My company had taken a downhill. I didn't know what to do. And I found out that my house was upside down. So it's like, what do you do? Now all the money is gone. I, literally all the money is gone. There's like zero money. And I'm trying to figure out what do I do? Well, I end up coming out of that, move to another neighborhood. And after three years where I just moved there, settled in, I'm at one of my friend's houses and it's a gated community. And then I get a phone call and it says, can you let the management people into the, the place? And I'm like, they never come. Why are they calling me to get the passcode? So I leave there, go to my house. And when I drive up to the driveway, um, the person is walking down the driveway. And I said, can I help you? And she said, oh, I left it on your door. I said, what did you leave on the door? She said, oh, a 60 day. I was like, what's a 60 day? Because <laughs> I had no clue. She said, you've got to leave in 60 days. Yeah. I said, why? She said, well, because the owners decided they wanted to sell. So I said, well, let me have you come in and look at my house. She goes, oh my gosh, it's like immaculate. There's nothing wrong with it. She says, I'm so sorry. 
I was like, you're not as sorry as I am because I just moved here three years ago try, and I'm on the upside. Now I have to move. And I was looking to do something else to help someone else who needed help. And now it's going to cost me more than $10,000 to move. Wow. And I'm looking at what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? My credit card's don't hold that much for me to try to play the Monty and move stuff around. So how am I going to do this and who do I call? And you'll have to wait to find out what happened. <laughs> oh, she left us with a cliffhanger. I like it. <laughs> well done. Cafe, you're up. Okay. Well, you know, my life had been going along really well and I was happy. I was uh, working in adult literacy programs, but also my husband was a pastor and evangelist and I worked with him and we traveled around and we're doing great until he had a stroke. Oh, and boy. so that happened uh, one month, kind of slowed us down. The next month he had a heart attack, had to have a pacemaker put in. The following month, another stroke affecting the other side. That began four years of becoming a caregiver. Wow. Really changed our lives, really. Um, but it was a, a time that also that made me grow more introspective and considering what was going on in our life. So he did, after those four years, he passed away. And so I found myself widowed at the age of 62. And uh, more than that, the next year, and it started coming during the time where I was caring for David near the end there, I was realizing there's something not quite right. I'm not real happy with this church group I've been a part of for 45 years. That was my family. And I came to the conclusion we veered off course really bad somewhere mm. and it's very isolating and controlling. And so I left it. So my husband had died. I left my church group and then I was just burned out. So I left my job. I moved halfway across the country. I've been living in Los Angeles and I moved to Indiana uh, where some very good friends took me in as part of their family. I lived in a rural area on their farm and just really began to reconsider and kind of everything had unraveled and kind of figuring out where am I now? Where do I go from here? Um, here, I, you know, I'm in my 60s and like I'm starting over. Um, so it was uh, not what I had expected in life. We talk about expectations, um, but it was turned out to be very good. Awesome. Well done. David Kudemach is here. I was I was nervous at first. Oh no, my bad. For some reason, I had uh, I had uh, eleven thirty on my clock. That's my fault. It's it's right. It's actually perfect timing because it's your turn. We're talking about um <laughs> just the struggle, right? So this first round, we just talk about something you struggled with, like three to five minutes. Jumping right into the frying pan. So oh yeah, I, you know every every we all have struggles, even when we have good runs and. And sometimes you think you have something nailed. You think you've got something, some aspect of your life just got it nailed to the floor. It is perfect. You're, you're, you're set. And I, I'm never arrogant enough to just think that I've always got this. But some things I just don't. Like if I was get up out of this chair and decide to walk, I've been walking for 51 years. I should be able to pull that off, right? So, you know, I've been doing these presentations and and me and forums like this and my own presentation, I had been doing a series of presentations about women's hormone health 
for um, the past few months now, and it's been growing in popularity. And so, um, and so I've been, and I've been executing it pretty much flawlessly and increasingly better each time. So for this, for the most recent one that I was doing this past week, I was, you know, me and my uh, business consultant were like, okay, you know, we're going to ramp up advertising on this and we're going to just put all this marketing behind it and have a nice long runway and just set this big event up. We had 155 people that were all, um, they were all lined up to uh, participate, which is going to be my biggest crowd yet. And because we had done our marketing through a particular social media platform, um, one of the catches that I didn't realize was that I needed to launch the event through that platform because of the way the advertising had run. So initially I'm like, okay, well, no big deal. I can go through the platform that I usually use and just trigger a simulcast. And it would have triggered a simulcast, but it wouldn't have triggered the simulcast that was listed as the event in said social media platform. And I'm realizing this about three hours out from starting the event. So I'm, I'm telling myself, okay, don't go crazy. Don't freak out. It always works out. You'll be fine, Cootie. Just go. And so I'm going through it. But as I'm going through it, all these little quirks keep picking up because basically it's going from me broadcasting from one platform that I've been practicing. And anybody that's ever been an athlete or watched an athlete, it's, it's, it's the equivalent of if you've been all season shooting free throws at basketball with your right hand all season long. And then the championship game comes and all of a sudden they say, okay, we're going to turn off the lights and you're going to shoot your left hand. <laughs> Even if you're Michael Jordan, LeBron James, that's not going to work. And I found myself at the free throw line, game time, lights off, left hand. It was crashing and burning all around me, all around. And and even as I was doing my best to keep a good face, cause I didn't know who was watching and who wasn't watching and the platform is recording it and it's streaming live. So this could be useful later. It, it, after about 40 minutes in, even I just sort of, <laughs> I just, I was tapped out. I, I, was, I was trying to keep a good face the whole time. I thought I did, but it didn't feel that way from the inside. The 155 people that were trying to participate had been waiting for like 30 minutes. So they all had kind of dropped off and it dwindled down to about three. And then maybe 30 minutes into the presentation, it dwindled down to about two and one. And I'm watching the numbers just drop down as I'm trying to give the presentation and save the same face for everybody else that might be watching it later. It stunk. It was horrible. It was like the biggest loss I'd taken in recent memory as a solopreneur. And when it was done, I was shell-shocked. Mm -hmm. Now, are we just talking about the loss right now or how we got through it? No, no, just the loss for now. Okay, that's the loss. <laughs> it sucked. It was horrible. And I've been on a winning streak. This is something, mm. I, like I said, shooting free throws with my right hand, no problem. 98%. I'm good. And then all of a sudden the lights went out and I was shooting with my left hand. And mm -hmm. I was just... Mm. And, and things happened that fast. I telling myself it would get better. Because, you know, sometimes we, we fear things and they, they don't really go as bad as you think. It didn't. <laughs> Boy, good stuff. So thank you for all of you. I'll share mine re really quick. And mine's not even distant past. February 20th of this year, I walked away from my fitness business. And wow. that, was, that was very, very hard to do. 
because a lot of my clients, I'm going to get all choked up here. <laughs> like a lot of my clients have been with me five plus years. I have a couple 10 plus years. And, you know, when you're working with people side by side for that long, you know, like they become part of your family. Some of them, I, I've, I've known them since they've, they've given birth. I've watched their kids grow up. You know, I, I know who their significant others are. It, it, you know, it, it's more than I'm just their, their trainer. You know, they, I became a coach. I became a friend, a mentor. And, but I was in a situation with my business partner that wasn't serving me. It was actually, it was harming me. It was harming me badly. But me being a forever optimist, I was like, this will work out. No, no, this will work out. This, and I, it got myself to a point where I literally lost everything. Mm. Now, growing up, I, pr- I prided myself. I'm the youngest of seven kids. And I was the only one to not move back home once I moved out at 19. And I was constantly busting chops about that. But they always say, karma finds a way of getting you, right? <laughs> so, and so I ended up losing my car. I lost my house. Like when, when I tell you, I lost everything. A bank account down to like nothing. So, and this is just a few months ago. And so like, you know, my I, I went through a very bad mental space to, um, it's like, I, I would never harm myself, but the thought was there for a split second. You know, it, it definitely was. It was there for a split second. I'm far too vain to hurt myself. <laughs> truth, truth, truth be told, I just like me too much. <laughs> right. So but um, but just but just in that moment, like my mom had reached out and she's like, come home. She's like, come home. I'm like, I'm 48 years old. I'm single. So now you just want to throw living with my mom on top of it, too. <laughs> right. And, but But I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, that's the best thing for me right now. And so I swallowed my pride, you know, I put my stuff in storage and I came back home. And then, so when we get into the next round, we'll talk about all the good stuff that has happened since, but it was making that decision and then to get on public platforms and talk about the fact that I made that decision because society is not kind to men at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, everybody has their, their struggles, but society's not kind to men. So to say that I'm 48, almost 49, broke and living with my mom, you know, like that's just asking for ridicule, you know, it's like asking for. But at the same token, as it says up above us, your true power lies in your story. So for me to get up here and try to act like that's not going on, that's not me being my authentic self. And that's what I preach in every episode, be your authentic self. So that's going to close out round one. And I'm going to switch up the order. And we're going to have Cathay start with round two. So you talk about dealing with your husband having a stroke, having a heart attack, you becoming a caregiver. And with the one thing, the, the big thing I took away from everything you shared was you turned introspective. Mm-hmm. Right? So speak to how, how you got through all that. Yeah, I realized it was time to really get real with myself. It's not that I realized it. It just came on me. Everything had been my foundation. All my beliefs were gone. And uh, so I did a lot of journaling, and that really brought out a lot. Um, and just then, uh, you know, I felt okay. And that's, and I talked with you in a previous show about then taking a walk on the Camino de Santiago. It's yep. a pilgrimage trail in Spain. I walked 250 miles and was kind of um, coming to find myself again. And it was a real turning point. And that helped me. And that's when I came back and I wrote my, a book. 
and uh, keep walking, your heart will catch up. And I'd always been a wanted to be an author all of my life. I've always liked writing, but I never had the courage to do it. And so I got the courage for that. And then um, more so last year, I was uh, thinking that would make a good movie. I want to see if I can get Keep Walking made into a movie. And I had a consultation with someone in the field. And she said, you know, yeah, it's a nice book. And I understand it's a story of finding yourself. But what I want to know is how did you lose yourself? Oh, wow. That's a pretty good question. And so I've been on this journey and realizing that's the real story. That's my story that I hadn't been telling because I realized that one group I had come out of was like a cult. It had all those characteristics of cult, but we hate that word. And we have this picture of it being something really bizarre and away from us. But I realized anyone could get involved and get caught up in that when you stop um, following your own voice. You have to find that voice within you and follow it and be true to it. And this woman was telling me, oh, I should write about that. And I remember telling her, well, no, no, it's not like it was really a cult. It's not like that. It wasn't that bad. And she said, oh, you're still in denial. You're still <laughs> coming out of it. Two days later, my phone rings. It's an old friend that I had known from this group uh, from years back. We've remained friends and she'd left long ago. And in the conversation, she says, you know, I always wanted to take my children and leave the group. But I was afraid if I did, God would kill them. Oh, my heavens. Tears started streaming down my eyes. And I realized, okay, it was that bad. It really was that bad. And so that's, I'm realizing I'm coming out needing to tell my story. Um, and the big question, so how do you lose yourself along the way? It's, like it's not following that voice that's within you. It's being so attached to the feeling of being with a group belonging, being a part of something that you don't want to walk away from. Because there's time after time, things that I would hear would happen, um, things that we would do is like, mm, I don't think this is quite right. But you know, oh, well, no big deal. I'll go along with it. But you do that long enough. And pretty soon you do lose yourself. And you don't know what you believe anymore. You don't know where you are. And I look back and regret that not only was I, I was a part of teaching this to others, you know, especially other women and bringing them into it. And so it was very sobering. And actually the year before I went on that hike in Spain, uh, like I said, I was journaling and I was having conversations with God. And that's what my latest book is about. And uh, just finding the lies we tell ourselves. There was things like I, I never, David and I never had children. And I said, well, you know, I'm not the motherly type. I don't really, it wasn't a big deal for us. And God was pressing me. Tell me more about that. Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. and we went on and on. And in these conversations, finally it came down. Yeah, yeah, I wanted children. But I had, it was easier to not want than to not get. Mm -hmm. So for the fear that I wouldn't get what I desired, I just set it aside and lied to myself. That is not important. And then I looked at other things I've done in my life. And I thought, oh, man, I've been just pushing myself aside and lying for so long. But there's a real power when you, you can face it, when you can look at it and say, okay, here's the truth. You know, it's not bad. It's not bad on me. It's just the way things are. Mm -hmm. And so um, I just think that's a big thing. And then also to not take risk. Um, 
you know, if you try to play it safe, some of the conversations I wrote about, I remember one day uh, the Lord told me, you don't appreciate life because you don't live life. Like, well, what do you mean? You're just sitting on a shelf on the side, watching things go by every now and then you'll jump off the shelf, get in the game a little bit, and then you go back because it got a little uncomfortable. That's not living life. And that's why you don't appreciate what you have. So, okay. So we were having some real down to down heart conversations like that. And it's um, so that, and just kind of what's been going on has brought me to where I am now. I'm so now here I am in my 68 at age 68 and just now doing what I felt I should have been doing all of my life. And that's writing and talking to people, encouraging people to find their dreams, to follow their voice and to know who they are. And, um, you know, it's like, I wish I would have done that in my 40s, but I don't have a time machine to go back and change it. So I just have to go from where I am right now. And that's kind of the mission and the path that I'm on today. Awesome. Solid start to round number two. I think that's all of us. I think, I mean, geez, I spent so so much time in the restaurant in, industry. I'm like, why didn't I start fitness and speaking you know, 20 some odd years ago, but mm-hmm. all I know is rocking it now. So <laughs> that's, all, that's all you can do is just rock out now. <laughs> all right, Charmaine, you're up next. Yes. Um, how did I come out of that situation? That's a good question. One of the things that my dad always told me is that there's never an obstacle. There's always a situation and how you perceive it is what determines it to be an obstacle or not. And so what I always, what I tell my clients is that I said, you know, if you look at something as a situation, say for example, a car, is a car good or bad? It's neither, it's neutral. It's how is it used and what happened to, to the person who was driving? Did it hit somebody? Same thing with a gun. A gun is neutral until it's used. Is it used to protect or just to kill? So I was, I had to go back to my roots, kind of like what you did, Rob. <laughs> you go back to your roots and you say, how do I get out of this? How do I face this? Well, like I said, I now have moved to a gated community where they can be very judgmental because I'm a renter and not an owner. And I had to swallow my pride because I know there can be judgments there when people don't know why you have to move. Because they're looking at, oh, if they don't know you that you're a renter and they think you own and you're moving, did you lose the house? Did you not? There's all these judgments that can be placed that someone is just observing something from the outside. But it was one of my neighbors who I did talk to. He's a very prominent physician, both he and his wife. And I was telling him what happened. And he says, oh, my gosh, well... You tell one person and then you tell another person and it could spread, but it spread differently than one might think. What happened is the community came together and said, we don't want you to leave. There's another house that's going to be for rent. This doctor and his wife kept at it to the new landlord whose mother had just passed away and said, hey, here's a perfect renter for you. And he, he, the two of them actually wrote a letter of recommendation. This person ended up doing an interview with me. And I said, can I start moving my stuff in before you guys finish the renovations on the inside? Because the other house that I had was a three bedroom, three car. Now I'm going to have to downsize. So that means I've got to get rid of stuff or whatever. 
But as some of you have already said, God has a way of doing things. The garage now has all this storage in it already built in. Mm -hmm. So I can move things from the other house, put it in. He said, yes. I started putting it in there and then I could put things in the kitchen cabinets. So I ended up moving literally a half mile away and the community pitched in with their trucks and everything to help reduce what my overall expenses were that I would have to do. And some of the people who came were people who I didn't know, but how did that happen? It's because what I did is I recognized that I needed help and I asked. Yes. And so often we need help and we're trying to be independent and not looking at that's being prideful as you know, and the Bible says not to be prideful. So that's where you have to look at what you're doing and recognize that maybe people do have that goodness in their heart. Maybe they're not going to judge you, even though they would prefer, you know, people who own because you've done so many things for the community just in, in just talking to people, you know, with me talking to people about their own mental health and how health and nutrition go hand in hand, they then felt like, well, let us give back. And that's what they did. So that's how I was able to do that. I still ended up with a $10,000 bill, (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) it would have been that much more. And I ended up moving the entire house, having everything put exactly where it needed to be. And I did it all in 22 days. So I didn't have to pay the next month's rent at the other place. Well done. That's awesome. (laughs) Solid, solid comeback. All right, Sherry, you're up. Wow. Well, the threads I'm picking up in all these stories, Charmaine, that was so compelling. Cathay, I loved hearing from your perspective how you were able to overcome. And what I noticed at the beginning for all of us is this internal shame, right? Like we have expectations for ourselves. Certainly we can lay it upon the culture or our friends or society, but, but it's also inside us. And one of the things I noticed for me was that was very true. I was the person people came to for help in mm-hmm. situations, not the one that needed the help. So when I did need it and noticed there were people not showing up who thought I needed to behave differently, that it was my job to take care of this family system entirely, even though I was suffering greatly, that had strong judgments about it. Um, I had to really, as they say, get up in the morning put on my big girl pants and decide what to do. And Mm -hmm. I used every tool I had. And one of the things, Robert, for me, is that when Cathay said, I wish I'd done this in my 40s and not my 60s, my my strong belief now is we are not ready until we're ready, right? Like we have to have that journey. So I had, as a lawyer, become a yoga teacher because I knew, like, I liked the lawyering thing, especially the mediation, the conflict resolution, but it wasn't enough, right? We need all the tools. So I love the breath work, the body, self-regulation, the calming aspects. What could I do? How could I bring this to myself? Because I had all the answers and was applying none of them. Mm -hmm. So I had to really dig deep, find my own teachers in that way, and use my own faith to get there. And I have looked back. I won't say I've never looked back, but I will say I think it, in the end, was the very best thing for me to make that painful decision the journey out of my marriage. I think for my children, they have now thrived on the other side as young adults. Um, And and from my perspective, I now have more to offer people. So when I say to someone, 
if you're contemplating leaving your marriage, don't just decide, let's use a process. If you have to co-parent with someone and it's really difficult, let's use a process because I have really developed these tools that work for people. So it was my own journey through this. I am convinced when I see people who are lawyers who become divorce coaches or even mental health professionals who become divorce coaches that don't have their own experience of this, I'm a little skeptical because I truly believe what happens to us informs everything that's next. So from my perspective, the way out was through. I'm a big believer. There's no getting around it, right? I had to face all my biggest fears. Like Charmaine said, you know, that judgment of others, you know, I was a homeowner. This is who I am. It's part of my identity. For me, it was wife and mother and really had the facade, right? So how did I dig deep enough to say the public persona doesn't matter as much as what's really happening for me and my kids? Bingo. And, you know, it's not perfect, but it's good. And I'm now part of a blended family and have added co-parenting and step-parenting mm -hmm. tools to my practice. And I love it. Like, I could not be happier professionally. And it doesn't mean every day I have a right fit client, but it means I bring joy to the work I do. And I think I've taught my kids a little bit about what it means to face difficulty and to move through it. It doesn't mean it's always going to work out. Um, in fact, if I may conclude, I just saw a, a brief news, news segment this morning about an elementary school closing and parents were fighting it. Of course, they're upset. They want their kids to walk to school. And many of them were crying and upset. And one parent said, we have many transitions as adults that we don't enjoy. Why aren't we teaching these kids how to embrace it and move to the other side? Mm -hmm. And it was like, came out of nowhere. Here's this, you know, person in this public school system where I happen to live. And I thought, brilliant. You know, this is the tool we all need at any given moment in our lives. And mm -hmm. so I think what we do can model for our children, for our friends, and of course, most importantly, for ourselves. Love it. You guys are rocking this out. I'm loving it. <laughs> Dr. David, you're up. Well, I don't know how to follow these three, those four conversations. <laughs> I think we have a lot in common. And actually, I, I think all three, the one, everyone I've heard speak so far has a lot in common. So let me tell you the silver lining that you see when you're met with disappointment. And I, I, Kathy, I was just listening to your heart mm -hmm. about how you found yourself in the middle of a cult. I did too, way back in the day when I was a young man. And uh, it was I was just on the edge of being a total and complete idiot when uh, people who had authority in the community stopped the stupidity. And as a result, uh, it launched me into something wise instead of something stupid. And so a principle came out of that that I've been applying all my life. The principle is that leadership is always by submission. You're always with other people who can weigh and help you lead. And so when you are, when the tap on the shoulder is given for you to be a leader, if you lead alone, you'll be an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you make the decision that there are people out there who are just as wiser, wiser than you, and you can partner with them to do best practices around the things that will bring you joy, this will be a great uh, learning. The thought that came to mind is, uh, was, was a church that I served in Western Canada. I'm a Canadian, by the way. I know that you're, I think you're all Americans, but uh, I'll forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to say I'm sorry because I'm a Canadian. Right? That's and a Canadian. <laughs> 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 so I was, I, I wrote a book 
and um, this it's a book called on prayer. It's a book on the Lord's Prayer called Power Praying. And there was a group of, uh, I, I got invited to help tribals in Africa who didn't have theological education, and they were on the bad side of uh, Idi Amin and Joseph Kony. I don't know if you know anything about that horrible warlord Kony. He was the one who had the child soldiers who would make brothers rape sisters and caused all kinds of tremendous damage. I was invited by an American group to join with them to help pastors and leaders rebuild their fractured communities. And so I took work teams with me and I took um, I took various kinds of leaders with me. We took work teams to build a latrine, build a library, you know, build a school, that kind of thing. I taught the pastors and I gave them the skill and I wrote this book to help them get a theological education. This was actually a training tool for them. So while I was there, um, there was a family that we put our two kids with every time we went. And they said, isn't this marvelous? Isn't this marvelous? And so we brought the organizer of that event into my congregation and some amazing things took place. And one of them was one of the greatest blessings in my life. My wife was healed from mus muscular dystrophy. It was genetic transformation when this mm -hmm. bishop got up in the pulpit and he spoke the medical condition in front of 650 people. And I watched my wife's arms move from here to up to here in the sky. Mm -hmm. First time in 30 years while the congregation watched, it was the most incredible thing. So 98% of the church said, wow, isn't that astonishing? God is alive. And the lady who sat our kids had a child going deaf and she attacked me. Mm. And she decided that God never heals. This is impossible. I must be a charlatan. I must be a liar. I must be somebody who's terrible. She ran a little shop and she had kept copies of the book in that shop. And uh, as she started telling everybody who came in, it was one of those, yes, a secondhand store that improved uh, people's old garbage and turned it into antique stuff. And she would make these, these beautiful things look pretty. And of course, uh, women liked that. <laughs> they would go in and they would talk with her. And in the shop, she would talk about that slanderer, David Chodka. What a horrible man. What an awful man. What a nasty man. And she had a major influence in a small town came to a head one day one of my elders was going to the dentist and he was getting his teeth done he'd been talking to this dentist for years about the claims of christ and then i said you know i'd like to come to your church where do you go and uh he mentioned my church and he said i won't go there there's a heretic in the pulpit mm -hmm. and it was devastating and it shortened my time i was 10 years in that church and i thought i was going to retire out there and as a result of that under subterranean slander it was a town of twenty thousand people that subterranean slander I didn't know what to do. My dad was dying. I had to get in a car and drive 10 hours to go and see him. He had Alzheimer's and dementia. He was getting weaker and weaker. And there was a crazy circumstance. I'd not had a conversation with him in three years because his mental capacity was diminishing and getting worse. Mm -hmm. And as I drove up, I was ready to throw in the towel and it hurt like, oh, blazes because this person who had been the friend was now the enemy. It was just this crazy, crazy kind of thing. And something happened where my, I was staying at my brother's place. He was in the town that was giving care to my dad. And we tried to call my parents. The phone didn't work because they always left the phone off the hook. This is a, <laughs> so I got in the car to drive across town and I walked in the house. The phone was off the hook. I put the thing back. My mom was asleep. My dad, who has not been able to have a coherent conversation for three years, came awake and he looked at me and he said, you mean someone you love and know has turned on you? I said, yeah, somebody who claims to love God, saying I'm a liar and a hypocrite and a jerk. He said, well, 
They treated Jesus like that. Mm. You're going to give up? And then he went back into his dementia state. And that was wow. the last conversation I had with my dad before he passed. Man. That moment with him convinced me that even when it's really bad and you're being slandered and you can't do anything about it, you still have the ability to rise above your circumstances. And you can find people with whom you can partner and work. You can do this. And when and there are good people out there. There are salt of the people out, salt of the earth people out there. There are people who love other people and do go the extra mile. Now you had a bunch of strangers show up to help you move that stuff. That's that's amazing. And I'm sure every one of us here has tripped into people that you weren't expecting to be your best friend's help. Now, so the current thing that I'm doing wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have walked up to a businessman who I did not know and said to him, I don't know a thing about computers. He said, well, I pay people to do that, but come to my shop. And the next thing you know, he's helped me. He's, he's got me a computer. He's got me an office. He's put me in a place where I can start to do this very thing. Anyway, I have about 75 stories and it's time to move on. <laughs> but, but thank you for the opportunity to say this. I'll just tell you something. When it's bad and when you're let down and when people who call themselves good act in a way that's wicked, there are still good out there. And you can, find, you can find them and you need to cluster them together and work with them and lead in partnership and never lead alone. That's what I learned. Well said. Nice work. Cody Mac. So we've heard personal stories that have been very, very riveting. We've heard professional stories that have been very riveting. And my situation was a professional situation, but what all of these things have in common, and I'll even say this, just like Dr. David said, he said he's got 75 stories. Man, I feel like I've got 75,000, you know, and I've been through like some intense stuff, personal stuff. But the reason I brought up the professional situation was twofold. Number one, because it's recent. I just went through it. And number two, because the tools that I had to, that I used to navigate it and then climb out of it in the aftermath are the same tools that those other situations delivered to me. Kind of like Cherie was saying, right? So here's the deal. You know, whenever right now, it, the six of us, anybody watching, I tell people to do this all the time. Just stop for a second and just ponder what the worst thing that's ever happened to you in your life was. It may be the stories you, you just heard right now, you just told right now, or maybe something else like I'm talking about where I'll talk about that business thing, but that was lightweight. And the reason it was lightweight is because I know something way worse that I just went through just two years prior, right? I wish I had Cherie in my life uh, when I was going through that thing. <laughs> you pause and think about what that thing is. And just the fact that you can think about it means one of two things. It means either A, you're navigating yourself through it one way or the other, or B, it's already behind you. And when you're in the midst of those horrible worst case scenarios, or if you have a bead that this, like when I was when I was sitting there at the top of my presentation, I had just been asked, are you ready? I was like, oh, I'm ready. I was about to just take my time, get into my mode an hour before, you know, show time and do me. And then all of a sudden it just starts melting in front of me. And I'm still like, no, it's going to be all right because it always works out all right. Even when it's going bad, it did not work out all right. <laughs> That's the one thing I want to remind you. It was the worst presentation I've done all year. Now that said, what I realized 
while I was going through it, what helped me navigate in the meantime, in the real time was being present and telling myself, dude, how many times have you seen something and been like, if somebody told you this was going to happen, somebody told you your dad was going to be critically ill for 365 days while you were the primary caregiver out of nowhere. It's, and you're going to watch him flatline four times. Somebody told you that your amazing, phenomenal relationship goals, marriage is going to end without you knowing that that was going to happen. If somebody told you that these things were going to happen, you'd have been shaking in your boots as the clock was ticking to that time. But I can talk about that in the past tense and I'm still here. Cathay said something about how, why didn't I do this 20 years ago? Because 20 years ago, it would have been half as good as you doing, your story would have been half as good if you, as when you do it right now. Mm -hmm. So whatever the worst thing that's ever happened to you is, it actually was because you're here. And the mind is an amazingly powerful tool because on the front end of these things, or sometimes in the midst of these things, your mind is running a mile a minute and, and, and you just can't get a handle on anything. And it just all seems like it's going to hell in a handbasket. But it's because you're believing a lie. If there's a lie in there that you're believing, I'm not good enough. I won't make it. I won't survive. This is going to kill me. They're going to they're going to laugh at me. They're going to do it. And, you know, Charmaine, Charmaine just said it. She said, hey, man, everybody spreads these rumors. But the rumor that spread was, yo, it, it ended up 180 degrees from what you expected. So for me, instead of what, I, what I'm actively practicing as recent as Tuesday, what I'm actively practicing is focusing my mind in that same mental capacity that normally would paralyze you from doing anything productive and focusing that energy in the best that could happen. Mm. Because the worst that could happen is already happening. Mm. The worst that can happen is that nothing changes. Mm -hmm. The worst that can happen has already happened before and you can talk about it. You can remember it. You can remember that the, the, my worst financial era, my worst relationship, the worst place I ever lived in, whatever, my worst speech. I can remember all of those things. My worst fall, my worst injury. I can remember all of those things. They're behind me and they're behind you. So find the lie, flood your mind with truth, realize that same brain that can convince you to be shaking in your boots and afraid to go outside, that same exact brain has the capacity to do the equal and opposite thing. And I'm not even talking about, I'm a man of faith, but I'm not even talking about anything mystical. I'm not even talking about anything hyper-spiritual if that's not your bag. What I'm saying to you is that just literal facts before you even get to just evidence. And faith and evidence are two different things. I have faith. But I don't have faith in the chair I'm sitting in. It's evident. I've seen people sit in this chair and it not collapse. So when I sit in the chair, I don't expect <laughs> it to collapse. That's evidence. That ain't faith. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we call faith really something that's based on evidence. So the exercise seems really crazy. When I'm saying take your mind and make it do a 180. But that's evidence. That's lightweight stuff if you really think about it. Your brain has the capacity to do it. Your brain has the capacity to do it because it does the opposite reflexively because we train it to do that all the time. And as a trainer, you know, Rob can relate to me on this. As a trainer, you can train the body and the mind to do other things. Yep. 
So train your mind, find the lie, flood with truth, and then proceed. The worst that can happen is either happening or has already happened. Why not think about the best that could happen? I, I know how low I can get. <laughs> how up can I get? How, how, how far can I push this? And so when that happened, I'm thinking, okay, usually I'm thinking, okay, what's the lesson? You know, this, this thing all crashed and burned. What's the lesson? I couldn't think of the lesson. But I said, you know what? I'm still here. And when I go to sleep and wake up in the morning, I'm still going to be here. And I'll get another crack at it tomorrow. I hate wasting time. I hate wasting money. I just did. Okay. Guess what? I'm still here tomorrow. And then sure enough, right in the middle of that, somebody might say something to me like, you know, you've got a really beautiful smile. And I'm like, oh, man, thank you. <laughs> and I would have missed that if I was just sitting around just sulking in, my, in the corner, like, you know, not going outside, not exposing myself to people because I thought I had just failed. Even that horrible video that I thought was not the quality that I wanted to be in the horrible presentation, as I'm talking about how the, how, how the presentation sucked with my consultant, looks and likes just started popping up on the thing. Now, I think it could have been better, but somebody connected with it. And then I talked to the next person. They're like, well, those 155 people that didn't get a chance to check in because you were going so far, you know, because you're going so late, we, here's a whole marketing strategy to get them back in and we can give them something here. And all of a sudden, it, just, it all just was like, okay, learning experience. But again, our minds are super powerful. Our stories have power. We're here today because we survived everything behind us. So, hey, you know, remember that. The worst that can happen, if you can remember it, you're already winning. Love it. Great stuff. See? And now I have to go after all of you. <laughs> See? So, so that's the challenge. You got five people that just all hit home runs. Right? So, so now with mine, you know, going back to what Kathy was saying about introspection, right? So I definitely got done dirty by my business partner. But I was and I could easily sit up here and just throw shade. No problem, Sherry. Right. And just throw shade at him and say how he did this and he did that and he caused this and I lost this because of him. And for a minute there in the very beginning, while it was fresh and I was still processing everything, that's where my mind went. And then I had to think back to my own podcast is about getting through obstacles. It's like you're a competitor. Step into your competitive edge. Step into that competitive mindset. This is just something else that you have to get through. And then getting back to the whole shame about moving home thing. I'm like, I'm living with my mother. Like the one woman who unconditionally loves me. <laughs> like what, where is the shame in that? Mm -hmm. And since my father passed in 2019, and she has a lot of land here. There's probably about an eight, acre and a half of land. She's 71 years old now. Like she, she can't take care of this place by, by herself. You know, she, she can't do it. So I, I just leaned into it and I went to work. It took me three solid weeks to clean the entire yard. There was probably three years worth, worth of leaves in the yard, right? But, but I just went, I went to work moving rocks, you know, clean, cleaning out one of dad's garages because dad has four garages. <laughs> and so, you know, just, just giving a, a helping hand around it, help, helping her with the chores, helping clean things. Know, re reminding her if she's cooking and she has to go pick up something. I'm like, what do you need? I can go pick it up. It's like, you don't have to do everything yourself. Mm -hmm. you know? so, so now it's like, I have a role here and I'm not just freeloaded. Like my oldest daughter is here with, with me too. And I, I remember saying to her, now this is how not to get kicked out 101 is we, <laughs> <laughs> is we have to be an asset. 
Okay, so like, like, like we can't just take. We can't take, take, take. Said so, we're gonna do our portion of getting of getting food, cooking food. You know, we're going to we're paying the the electric bill because we're running the, the washer machine more, running the dryer more, so on and so forth. And, and you know, we're helping with the chores and taking care of the outside. I said so. This way, when the time comes, she might want us to stay. And as she gets older, I might want to stay. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like if if it works out for for everyone, then why why mess it up? You know, so now I did a podcast episode. This was in April and I learned a lot from this particular guest. So she was talking about how she moved from Canada to L.A. because she wanted to get into Hollywood. And she said she just found all the studios in the area and just went down to each one and knocked on the door. Right. And just knocked on the door until she landed a spot she said she said you know she said, it took some time but i finally i got in contact with an executive producer so my thing was i wanted to coach at my local high school because i went to school here and i would like to coach track and field there but now as humans we get into our own head because i was like well it's april season already started they probably have all their coaches already but then in listening to this guest i was like why don't i just go down there and talk to the coach mm-hmm. You know, so the next day I went down, spoke to the coach and the very, no. And then that Monday I had a coaching position, Oh, right. And, and getting back into it, relit my fire to train again, because at, at first I was going to get into consulting and yes, consulting can be very lucrative, but it, it didn't, it didn't get me up in the morning. It's like, like, that's not what I want to do. It's like, I'm a motivator. It's like, I need to be on the front lines right there when someone does their first full push-up or when they jump rope for a minute straight or with, when they run their first mile without stopping, when they climb the rope and ring the bell. Like, I want to be there for those moments. And, so, and that's the thing that moves me. So in, in coaching track, that relit that fire. I was like, that's the path that I need to, to get back on. And so I was on my way to the gym this one day, just to uh, Planet Fitness. And I saw, as I, as I was going by, I saw there was a gym, you know, on the side, off to the side. And so I was like, hmm, I wonder what they're about. So when I get to Planet Fitness, I pull it up on my on my phone and just look at the website, decent size layout. And it, it looks like they do stuff similar to what I do. So I signed up for their one week free pass. And I went back later that night and I took class. Now I worked the legs that in the morning and their workout was very leg heavy. <laughs> so, so I kind of paid a price to learn this message. I, I mean, uh, to, to, to figure this out, but so I go and I speak with, with the trainer and he was the owner's son. He gives me the owner's number. So I go back in the morning and took class again, which was the same workout. <laughs> so my legs got nailed three leg workouts in 24 hours. <laughs> right. But I met with the owner and now starting Monday, I'm going to be the personal training and sales manager for his two locations. Wow. wow. All yeah, from yeah, all from just walking in and asking, mm-hmm. you know, and asking. So as dark as my situation was, you know, as deep into the sunken place as I got, how did I get out of it from looking inside and just asking? Went to my track coach. Hey, do you need any help? went into this place hey this is my my vision you want to collaborate 
it was that simple. There was, there was nothing super, super profound. I just looked in and said, you know what? You are here because you put yourself here. He didn't put me here. My business partner did not put me here. I let that situation go as far as it got. Yeah. Like I should have nipped that in a bud months ago, but I held out hope that things were, things were going to work out. So that's on me. I can't put that on him. I said, so getting out of this needs to be put on me. And so here we are. All right. So it did work she, out though. Yes, because, true. Because, <laughs> you know, your story's not over. Yeah. So, so that, and whereas with those, when those shady characters that, that, that pepper our past, mm. when they act in that kind of way and you move with integrity, even in the midst of it, even when it seems like you're losing in the meantime, if I may step on you, I'm sorry, but like no, go ahead, go ahead. What, what happens is they'll keep doing those practices and they're not going to win. You're, they're going to fade. And yep. you will still, you have now bounced into something else in that next chapter where you're, where you're, and now you're talking legacy. How many people that have ever participated in, participated in sports or maybe an academic team remember that coach? Mm. We call that coach. You're now that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> Let's say you went to uh, the, the gym and they, they, they said, ah, no, no thanks, no help wanted. You're still that guy. And, yeah. as, and as anybody, either watching this or us participating, as we pursue our next, whatever, getting those next clients, whatever the next situation in life is, our next congregation, our next book, our next movie, whatever it is, you know, all we need is the next one to say yes. Mm -hmm. the, the, the no's are just the no's. And that, that's just where you were in the first place. <laughs> but, all, but all you need is that next one to say, yeah, sure. And then all of a sudden, bam, new chapter, mm -hmm. new chapter. And that's how we do it. it. That's, that's how we move forward in life. And that's what life is really about. You know? True. Um, Very true. That's, that's what it's about. I mean, I, I love how each of us have figured out, you know, that there is some accountability to ourselves. But again, like I said earlier, the worst case scenario rarely is the worst case scenario. Yeah. Because the worst case scenario, honestly, is death. Yep. And even in death, what can we do to stop it? As healthy as I call myself, man, I could step out tomorrow, God forbid, and just get hit by a car. I can't stop that. So I want I so I have I have no handle over that anyway. And I've heard a bunch of people profess some level or type of faith. That's just the beginning of that journey, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Spot so on. when you really look at it, what's the what the worst that could happen is a lie. It's a yep. lie. Not saying it won't be painful, not saying that, you know, some of these lessons don't come with a couple, you know, shards of glass, but it's a lie. <laughs> I mean, like that one. <laughs> All right, Sherry, give us some final words, because I know you got to jump off. Well, remember, we started late, so that's why we're, we're not. Yes, <laughs> no, and I appreciate it. I just wanted people to know if they need any of these tips and tools in this area I work in, which is separation, divorce, co-parenting. Just go to my website, Dear Divorce Coach. You don't have to pay to work with me. There's tons of info. I want people to know, to learn, to build their own system for power, for trust in themselves, for resilience, which I think is a big part of what we're talking about here together. And um, I am here. You can always do a discovery session to see if it's a good fit. But I love talking about this. I've loved meeting all of you with your inspirational stories. And I have a feeling we're all going to be in it, right? We're all in this struggle. We're all still doing it. And um, I'd love to talk to anyone who thinks I might support their journey. 
Awesome. Thank you. I know you have to jump off, so but just thank you for taking the time. It's a lot of fun. So nice to meet you. Take care, everyone. Talk soon, I hope. <laughs> See ya. Does anyone else need, need a heart out? No? All right. All right, so let's go into the third round where you talk about what you do, who you work with, how people can get in touch with you. All right, let's start with Charmaine. <laughs> yes. Um, who I work with is I work with people who need help with nutrition. And isn't that everybody? Everybody wants to talk about being healthier. Um, people ask me, how do I do it? Well, I'm a fourth generation nutritionist and I'm 67. So I tell people this is how I do it. And I push myself not quite as much as the two athletes on here, um, <laughs> but I am up to walking 10 miles a day. And that's because nice. what I did is I challenged myself. Um, I believe in like, you know, I have my, my watch on and they tell you, oh, 10,000 steps, right? Well, I did the 10,000 steps, but I was like, uh, that doesn't seem like it's enough for me. So I put it at 12. When I got to 12, I said, you know, I can do another... 4,000 or so, but I said, you know, that's only really like five miles. That's not much. And so I said, I have to get to 10 miles. And for me to get to those 10 miles, I had to do 22,000 steps. And then what I did is I sent out challenges to my clients <laughs> mm. and my son-in-law and people like that. But you, we all on here talked about the challenges that we faced. And I don't look at them, like I said earlier, as a challenge, as much as it's a situation. How do you deal with it? One of the things that I did is in the first move that I had to make where my ex had stolen all my money, I turned it around and that became the title of a series of books that I've written. Mm. And the main title of those series is called Now Chew on This. Get my drift. <laughs> and then there's subtitles to that. One was health and wellness. Another one is um, a breath of fresh air. And then that one, what I talk about is the plants that you put in your house based on NASA studies. But I tell you another thing is which plant to put in which room because of what that plant absorbs out of the air in order to give back to you the air that you need, because there's some you should have in your bedroom because they give off oxygen at night. The latest one, Kudamin, that I just uh, released is um, it's called Harness Your Hormones to Optimize Your Health. And that one is addressed to women. But all of my books are written in such a way that you have to write in them. So I give you a lot of information, but you have to write down information in them. And the reason I do that is because as a special ed teacher, and as one of my things is I understand the brain connection with when you're actually doing something and you have to do it like in, in, in the sports arena, as you talked about, you have to actually do it and practice it to know how it's going to make you feel. And so therefore it's a touchy feely. Some of my clients call it, you know, I created adult coloring books because, <laughs> because of the documentation you do in there. But if people want to get in touch with me, I do offer free consultation, you know, for me to figure out what's kind of going on because I do it as a holistic thing, kind of like I know Sherry had to step off, but I look at what's their job? What do they do? When do you eat? When do you go to sleep? When do you do all these things? So I look at that total picture. And then I also want 
blood test, saliva test, those kind of things. So I get a baseline of where you are so that I can tell you the best food you should be eating for you. And then I create, as a chef, I then create the recipes for you and say, this is what you can do. This is how you should eat and why you should be eating these foods. They can go to health.me and that's health, H-E-A-L-T-H dot me forward slash chew on this. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes, that is, a play, that is a play on words. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Dr. David, you're up. <laughs> well, sure. I am the founder and director of, uh, in, your, in your case, it would be a 501c3 here. It's a Canadian charity. And uh, my goal is to equip spiritual life and work uh, all across the earth. And I have traveled. I've spoken so far in 17 nations. And I have a website, uh, www.spirit, like in Holy Spirit, equip, like in equipment, put the two words together, spiritequip.com. And actually, my hope is to reboot and enable people who are struggling with some very basic things in their walk with God. In fact, all of us here are talking about paying attention to the voice, listening to the voice. Uh, I wrote a book on that. This, this has a foreword by Jack Canfield. It's called, Hey, Are You There? It's Me, God how to listen, test, and know when God speaks. And actually, just like you, Charmaine, it's interactive. It's designed to be a, a, a small little teaching followed by a time where you reflect and record what it is you're thinking or asking questions mm -hmm. about or what you've learned, etc. And then there's a during-the-day challenge, and at the end of that uh, session, there is a, a weekly study guide if you do this in a small group. So uh, you're right. If you write it down, if you think about it, if you talk with other people about it, it becomes much more powerful learning. And so that's what I've done with this. And uh, this year, there's gonna, I did this book called Healing Prayers, God's Idea. I think we did our interview on that one, Robert. Didn't we do that? Yes. It's bad. Well, this has been purchased by Whitaker House, which is a large publishing house in the U.S. There's going to be a fresh edition come out on November the 21st. Nice. And uh, it's going to be three times the size. And uh, it's going to be distributed by Anchor Book Distributors. And I'm going to be doing an audio book on this. And well uh, that's kind of fun. So I'm going to be driving into the States to do my audiobook recording. But it includes the story of my wife's miraculous healing, actually my son's miraculous healing. And the, st the pathos of this is my daughter has muscular dystrophy and she's not well. And so I'm in one of these situations where I'm already not yet. I'm seeing, I'm seeing Marvel and I'm seeing despair and they're side by side. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, this book chronicles the journey. So if you want to be in touch with me, you could take my name, David Chotka. That's just like it's on the screen there because I know you got this on a screen. And then write at spiritequip.com and you can be in touch with me. And I do conferences, events, and I travel and I write. So far, I've written five books and I've got two more in the bag coming down the pike. And they're going to be just like yours, Charmaine. We're going to do this interactive journal stuff because that's the best way to do it. So that's my spiel. And thank you, by the way, <laughs> for the opportunity to, to, to speak to you like that. Absolutely. Thank you, David. Cathay. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm just really interested in encouraging people to reach for their dreams and to find themselves and get in touch with their inner spirit, their voice that whispers to them and how to listen to it. And you can reach me through my website. It's my name. So it's www.catajyreta.com. And uh, on there, you can find links in my um Newest book that just came out this month is Dance in the Meadow. It's conversations of self-discovery, clarity, and love. 
And that kind of came with one of my first conversations with God. I was pointing out, I really would rather just hide in the woods where no one can see me. And uh, through a series of conversations, we got where, okay, now enjoying coming out into the meadow and being seen and dance in the meadow. So that's kind of the metaphor there. Um, but here, I'd love to connect with anyone, hear your stories. I'm also available for speaking engagements to any group. Um, so you can reach me through my website. Thanks. And thanks so much for the opportunity to be here with these other great speakers today. Enjoyed it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Cootie, bring us home. Man, as always, Rob, it's great to be here and great to be amongst you. I know when I'm with you that I always get lined up with amazing other people. And I'm, oh, yeah. I'm actually sitting here. I don't know if people caught me in. It's probably bad uh, broadcasting, but I've been like, you know, jotting down notes. It's like everybody here has got something that I just feel like could help me as I'm helping <laughs> me too. as well. So y'all are amazing. Let me just say that. Um, as far as me and the people that I help, I help people who are successful at everything else in life except for having a healthy mindset or a healthy body. And so they succeeded everything. They're homemakers, they're business persons, they're CEOs, they're whatever, great students, but they just can't seem to get this one thing right. And maybe they succeeded in that in the past, but find themselves just not being able to have the capacity or the bandwidth to do it now. And I'm there to help you connect those dots. Uh, the primary way that I do it is with a program I have called the Six Week Super You, where I use three pillars. I call them superfoods, super facts, and uh, super moves. The superfoods, nutrition, that's down Charmaine's, right down your alley, but nutrition, holistic nutrition, supplement-free nutrition, ideas, uh, remedies, recipes, the whole nine. The super facts are the information, just, just the science and the proof and the history that actually underscores why I'm telling you to do whatever it is I'm telling you to do. And the super moves are your plans of action. If, if it's about fitness, it's your exercises. If it's about mindset or wellness, it's about habits and, and, um, and routines that'll help you succeed in what you need to do to get where you got to go. The six week super you is the, is the main program that I have. And there's a website for it is six weeks, super six, the number six, and then the words six weeks, super But if you don't want that service, that's cool. I'm, I'm here to help first and foremost, because what life has shown me what God has shown me is that as long as I lead with help, the other stuff takes care of itself. You know, the, the, the yeah. stuff that keeps the bills paid and keeps my kid fed and keeps me, you know, you know, upright and functional in society. That stuff always follows when I help and I'm here to help. So because you saw me here, I will gladly give you a free consultation. Just go to the sixweeksuperu.com and put your information in. It'll give me your email address. You'll leave your email address and we'll just get in contact that way. Or if you want to skip all of that and just talk to me and set up a free consultation with me, because it'll be free, just um, hit me up on any social media platform at Cootie Mac, K-U-T-I-M-A-C-K. Uh, Instagram, I'm pretty quick on. Facebook, I'm a little slow on, but I do have a Facebook page that's at BYBDFitness.com. And there you have a bunch of resources that are just totally free that, that I'm sure, I'm positive, if you go through at least three posts, you'll find something that goes, you know what, that just helped me. So I'm here to help. Awesome. And then I'll just close out briefly. So one thing I want to just tie in with what everyone else said, it's about giving. You know, see what you can give. Like when I went in to this gym, I didn't go in and say, hey, can you help me? I went in and said, do you want to collaborate? It's like, what do, you, what do you think is missing here? And, you know, we just started talking back and forth. I started sharing my experience, sharing some of my, the, my past body of work, showed them my client reviews, you know, because 
I don't know the guy. He doesn't know, know me. So I'm not going to expect him to just want to do work with me. I said, let me take a couple classes. Let, let me observe your clients. You know, are, do your clients work hard? Are they complainers? Are they meatheads? It's, it's like, you know, just what's your, what's your clientele? What's your style? What style of coach are you? Just to make sure that our personalities complement each other. And like, we don't want to end up being two, two bulls in the field, you know? Mm. And so then we went back and we met again. And again, I went in with a how can I help you attitude, not a, what can you do for me? So I did my my research. I found out the uh, median income in the area. I looked to see if there were any obstacle race training programs in the area, which there were not. And are there any sp specific training programs for track athletes? And right now, while we're on this podcast, I got a text message from a mother from Tollgate High School, who's looking for a personal trainer for her high jumper, you know, because again, there's nothing in in this area specifically for high jump, triple jump, or long jump. So we're going to implement those niches down there, so he doesn't have to worry about me trying to in infiltrate into his clientele. We're going to bring in another stream, and then that way, that's not going to upset his pay in paying me, because I'm going to bring in the money mm -hmm. that you're going to pay me. So now it's a win for both of us. So yeah. he gets he gets another stream of revenue that he doesn't have to manage. I get a place to train and get back to doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Because I can do consulting. I can do a whole lot of other things. But when I'm training, that's when my soul lights up. Mm. Right? And when your soul lights up, when those obstacles are, what did you call them? situations right when those situations arise you're better equipped to handle it you know yeah. it's like it's when you're doing something that doesn't light your soul on fire and then you run into that roadblock it just that's when the tempers start flaring and that's when you end up going into that negative mental speed mm -hmm. and again we want to point the finger at the obstacle or at the situation or at the person when you got it it all goes back to you it's all right. This happened. How are you going to respond to it? They said this. How are you going to respond to it? You know, if so-and-so didn't show up for work, how are you going to respond to it? You know, like just because things get difficult doesn't mean you have to lose your mental headspace. Like you are in control of that. I know that there can be chemical imbalances and all that stuff, but I'd, I'm no doctor, but I'd say at least 75% of it is controllable. Mm -hmm. Right. It's absolutely controllable. Mm -hmm. But instead, we give the control to the stressor instead mm -hmm. of the, the control on ourselves to how we handle the stress. Like, like I said, when everything went down, I, I could be trying trying to sue my business partner. I could say you mm -hmm. owe me X amount of dollars, which he does. He didn't let me take my equipment. So he's got all of my equipment. But you know what? I started my fitness business from nothing. So I was like, I'm not going to give him the opportunity to break me. Like I've already been doing uh, mm -hmm. some personal training right here, right here <laughs> in the yard. I took one of dad's garages and I'm turning it in, into a gym, you know? <laughs> so when I'm not at the other gym, I'm going to supplement with training right here and I'm getting stuff week by week and I'm going to rebuild my own supply. Because I'm not going to get into that. It's going to be draining. It's going to be time consuming. It's going to be a money suck. And for what? To get a, to get a couple dollars back? It's not, it's not worth the headache. So that's what I, I'm choosing to do. 
because people people are like so quick. You should sue and you should this and you and like why why are you trying to take control of my emotions? <laughs> right? I'm like I am just fine walking away. I'm just yeah. fine because this is gonna get ugly. I'm gonna have to become someone I'm not, and um, I refuse to do it. You know. So if if I can give you one big takeaway from everything that everyone said, because we all pretty much said it just in di- different ways is don't let life break you it's like it'll bend you it'll scar you it might cut you a little but it doesn't have to break you like you are totally in control of that mm-hmm. so i want to go around real quick 60 seconds okay a quick a quick um hot seat so cafe i'm gonna go chill all right so i want you you to speak to someone who's who's a caregiver right now and they're very ungrateful about it like they just see how difficult it is what do you say to that person well it is difficult but if you're in that position that means that you're able to do it and you've risen to it and if you can just lean into it and along the way give yourself forgiveness some patience kindness take time to take care of yourself because that's the best thing you can do in caring for another person and you want to work in a way so when you get to the end of this process however it finishes up that you don't have regrets try to avoid the regrets by taking care of everything now and not just doing things because you should do it you've got to find a way to get beyond that and it's not because you should but because you want to and you choose to love it Cootie, I keep keep having you go last. I'll have you go second this time. So I want you to just speak a little deeper on when when you say that the worst that can happen is that nothing changes. Just go a little deeper on that. All right. So when when you walk up to somebody and say, I I need something, you want a job, you knock on the door. When you walk up to that door, you didn't have that job. So they say no to you. You're even. (laughs) matter of fact you know what you know now is that's one less spot that i need to go to one less spot i need to worry about but if they say maybe or yes now you've now you're a step ahead the worst that can happen to you has already happened to you i'll remind you this isn't even the worst that can happen to you because if i ask you what's the worst that can happen to you again if you stop for a second you'll you'll have a distinct memory of something that was heinous but it's a memory And as long as it's a memory, what it means is that you have overcome and you are now winning. You want, you beat that. And it's the same you. (laughs) It's the same you as this now. You just have a, it's like if you want, if you won a game the other day, you say, well, man, I won that game. So I know how to win games. I know what that feels like. Doesn't mean you'll win the next game, but you know, you you now, when you look at the film, you know what the things you do and, and you take inventory and take stock, you know what to do and what not to do. You know what loses and you know what wins. So when you are at the precipice or in the midst of a situation that's challenging, remember, or if, you, or if you're at a crossroads, you need to make a decision, make the decision and take the step forward. The step forward will always reward you. It'll either educate you or it'll promote you, but it won't kill you. And even if it did kill you, you had no control of that anyway. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, Dr. David. So- well, as I'm listening to everybody's story, the theme that I'm hearing over and over and over again 
is uh, found in, in, in two scriptures. There's a scripture that's not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It's, it's a saying of Jesus. It's in Acts 20. And he says, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And the segue to that is, you go back to, uh, to the Sermon on the Mount, he actually says, give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaken together, running over. Shall other people pour into your lap? It's not going to cut. It's, it's when you're in the middle of giving, you discover that you are the recipient of what has been given. And uh, if I could say anything uh, to anybody out there, if you learn to practice generosity, you will discover that generosity returns to you. It's this amazing thing. I can't explain it. I don't know how the rules work. I haven't got a sweet clue. I just know this. Anytime I stop being selfish and start being other-centered, in the middle of my being other-centered, the next thing you know, I'm receiving stuff I never thought I was going to get. Now, you don't do it to be selfish. You do it because you're being other-centered. And the byproduct of generosity is joy. Well said. Well said. Mama Vega, you're going to bring us home. So I, I want you to speak on... Where are you? Right there. When you said that that you recognized that you needed help. I want you to go, to go deeper into that because I think too many times, especially with women, we get stuck on this, I'm independent and I'm this and I'm that. And one thing I always say, there is not one independent person on this planet, not one. Mm -hmm. You need your banker, you need your attorney, you need the people at the supermarket, you need the people at the restaurant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's not one unless you're butt naked in the woods and you're hunting for your food, <laughs> right? There is no such thing. So I want you to, to speak to that, how you recognized it, how you dealt with it and how you move forward in, in 60 seconds. Okay. <laughs> I recognized it because <clears throat> my bank account only had so much money in it. <laughs> <laughs> your bank so, said damn girl <laughs> so i mean that's like in your face like you know kudaman says you know it's the chair that's not faith that's reality <laughs> i'm looking at these numbers so it's like what am i gonna do and i'm single so i can't be moving all this stuff by myself you know, um, so, you know, that's just in my face. How am I going to do this with limited finances, mm -hmm. not being able to move this? And I have 60 days that I have to get this done. And if I do find another place, that means I've already had to pay this rent. I've got to pay the, you know, the uh, security deposit on the next place and then the next rent in addition to a move. So these are things that what I did is I did, it's, it's not an obstacle. As I said, I look at it, it's a situation. So this situation is purely a numbers game. And all of us here look at these things, different numbers. And when you start looking at the numbers, numbers don't lie. It is, that's just a fact. You got to look at the facts. What are the facts here? So that was my recognition. What am I going to do? I had already made you know, friends with a person who I know is influ influential. But in addition to that, I belong to two groups. And this goes back to what all of you have just said, is um, a BNI group, their philosophy is um, givers gain. The more you give, the more you get back, that type of thing. And then in Rotary, give more than you ask for. So when you know that that's something that you have to do, and I've already been giving, so I was already giving. So when I went, I had to, I showed them what can I give to you? So although I was moving 
And many of them were saying, you know, you know, we don't need anything or whatever. When they offered, they ended up getting a lot of things that one, I knew I couldn't put here, but I know some of them own other properties, rental properties that they were trying to rent out to other people and they needed certain pieces of furniture. So I'm downsizing anyway. So they ended up getting very nice pieces. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. So I ended up giving and it ended up taking me only 22 days to do what I did and was able to get my security deposit back from the other place that I was renting. And I was able to do that in a 22 day period of time. So I didn't have to go into the next month where it's now going to impact me even more. So that was my recognition. My recognition was just straight up in your face and you just got to look at what are the facts? What am I going to do? And when you talk about, you know, the mental health, all of that, because I do nutrition and because I understand the science, I knew what I had to do from a health standpoint to not fall into that trap, you know, you, which we can all do. We can go to the emotional and, and like Kudman says, you talk about the hormones, you talk about all that. Yeah, we can say, well, it's because of the hormones, that's the way I act. No, I can tell you some food that you can offset that's just going to make that go down and that's not going to happen. So I knew what I needed to do to stay stable. And I was like, hit the road. This is what you do. And the irony is it was literally one half mile door to door. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't it wild how each of us have had to, had to employ the very medicine that we give to other people? Exactly. Mm -hmm. exactly. exactly. Well, that's, exactly. The only, that's the only way to be able to have life story. Amen. Yes. You pass through it, you discover it, and then Amen. you they here's what I have discovered on the other side of that knot hole that I passed through backwards. <laughs> yeah, I'm just literally having like these out of body experiences. Like, okay, what would I tell me to do right now? Mm -hmm. And I'm doing it. And I'm like, right. it's not easy, but you can do it. <laughs> and then working your way through it. Yeah. And it it's only not makes something that I read in strong. a book. You know, I didn't read no, it. No, in a book. No. I put it in a book for somebody else to read, but it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's no. not what I read in a book. These are no. actual things that I actually did. I know and in my teachings, just like Kudaman, again, is I go into the science of the why behind it. I don't just tell you to do this, but I explain the why. And with me explaining the why and having you to write it down, I know now it's going to make an impact on your life and you won't forget it. Right. Mm. Bottom line, when you experience and it's burned into your inner being so that you cannot escape the fact that you believe this, then you have something to write. <laughs> <laughs> That's when, so I'm, Kathy, as I'm listening to you, I don't know if you've read Hannah Whitehall Smith. Have you read her? No. Well, she is a lady who wrote a whole bunch of uh, very famous books. The most famous one was The Christian Secret of a Happy Life, 19th Century Quaker Lady. Hmm. Her husband uh, committed adultery, belonged to a cult. Uh, two of her kids died young, and she wound up writing a book called The Christian Secret of a Happy Life. And hmm. it's about hearing the voice. You might want to consider uh -huh. looking at that book. Hmm, but, was, but the bottom line is, I mean, the lady passed through hell in a handbasket. And in the end, she was someone who was able to teach the practice of joy after she experienced being in this thing that was cult-like and her husband's uh, commit, actually he committed adultery, then he died young and she had to nurse him and then two kids died. And oh my, what a horrible life. Wow. But she came out the other side and wrote this very popular book that was big in the 70s and the 80s called The Christian Secret of a Happy Life. You might want to consider that book. Mm. I'll right. check it out. Thanks.
And so you don't want to David joy and joy and happiness are two different things. Oh, very happiness is happenstance. You trip over it and laugh. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Joy, joy is something that comes the celebration from of life in the middle of everything. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a decision. <laughs> it, yeah, more than that, it's mm -hmm. it's also a practice. Mm -hmm. You can't practice happiness. You, nope. It just you tripped over it, and you laugh because something's mm -hmm. hilarious. Uh, joy <laughs> is something that you move toward as you celebrate everything that you discover. Yeah. And gratitude yeah. helps us get there. Yes, oh, does. you know what? I'll, I'll talk like a preacher. <laughs> if you take all the ancient literature up to the time of the New Testament and you examine all the writings and you compare that to just the Apostle Paul, there's more thanksgiving in the Apostle Paul than all the other ancient mm -hmm. writings combined. Yep. The, the defining mark of what it is to believe is to practice thanksgiving. Yep. Hmm. Yep. There you go. So, uh, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we got to get these get this group together again, Rob, and just kind of like. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's absolutely. what I was getting ready to say. I was going to say, Rob, this was an excellent group that you put together. And I do want to thank you for asking me to be a part of it, as well as I want to thank everybody else for everything that they've contributed, because it's very um, interesting. It's very interesting and enlightening because we all come from a different perspective, but we all come from the same perspective. <laughs> See, and that's exactly why I started doing this, because I was actually on a debate panel. This was two years ago, and it was just a nightmare. It's like people just talking over each other, people getting triggered, people are just like calling names. I'm like, this is so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it's such wasted energy. Waste. And I was like, you know what? Like every solo interview that I do with people like I haven't had a bad show in 283 episodes you know I, I shouldn't say that because my first eight were just me solo and I didn't know what I was doing yet so so maybe I got 276 great episodes <laughs> <laughs> you know and so I was like let me let me just bring back some of some of the guests and let's just have a round table discussion about positive stuff you know, it's like mm -hmm. instead of talking about all the hot button topics out there that get people so so triggered, like let's do something inspirational. But from that first panel, people started collaborating. You know, like people well, actually, I'm going to send you guys all a note and let's exchange information because I let's think this absolutely good. let's do it. So yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, we we thank you for putting us. So we have the shared thing on Messenger, so we can just do that on Messenger, yeah. right? Yes. Yep. Oh, okay, yeah. well, let's do that. And actually, I, I would be delighted to be back with the same group of people and find us what we're doing in three months or something. So, you know, I'm sure there's going to be changes in our lives in three or four months. True. Well, Dr. David, is that in spite of the fact that we're in the United States? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm going to be published in the U.S. shortly, so who, I should be very careful. So let me do the Canadian thing and just say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Let's stay in touch. Thank you very much for taking your time. This has been fun. It's been awesome. Again, make sure you guys swap uh, contact info, and we'll see you guys soon. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Till next time, shut up.